Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. we have the incredible Patrice from New Jersey. This interview is truly one for the books. Patrice walked into her first birth experience at 20 years old, feeling confident in her body and in her ability to have a normal, unmedicated birth. She was quickly silenced and given Pitocin without her consent or knowledge. Patrice was forced to stay in bed in excruciating pain for 30 plus hours, denying the epidural, laying there suffering. Somehow deep within her, Patrice knew this wasn't right and that this wasn't her body's fault and left there knowing she would never go back to the hospital. She then went on to have two midwife-assisted births and then finally, with her fourth and then fifth, had family-centered free home births. We also can't help but get into an in-depth conversation about midwifery regulation, eating placentas, and the questionable ethics of doulas. family that didn't talk about birth very much. It wasn't that it was like a taboo subject. It was just something that just wasn't discussed. I knew that I was born by a cesarean and that my mom, uh, she says that she did not see me for three days because the, whatever the anesthesia was that they gave her, it wasn't an epidural, but whatever it was, she, um, it knocked her out. So she didn't even wake up until like three days later and all and so um for me it just never occurred to me that my body was broken that something was wrong and that I would need anything whatsoever but you know me and my baby and my body and all it just didn't occur to me and so I thought I was gonna walk my healthy self into the hospital and they were gonna follow the birth plan that they asked me for and I gave it to them and basically the plan was just um I didn't want any drugs I was afraid of drugs which again is odd I'm like the anomaly in my family because like no just no one is like me and all with all this natural stuff Mm -hmm. and um so it never occurred to me not to be a more natural-minded person um even as a child, I did not like to take medicine. And if I could get away with it, I would dump it and tell my mom, <laughs> yes, I took it. And I don't know. I just always had this, um, I guess it was a fear, honestly. And with regards to birth, I felt like I don't want to have to pay years down the line for whatever you decide to do with me mm-hmm. on this one day. I can take whatever my body is going to bring me. I know my body and I trust it. And I feel like, you know, I was born a woman, so I can do this. Mm. You know, that's the only woman I don't believe in as far as birth is concerned is the one that was born a man. So, like, that's, like, the requirement for me, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as believing in a woman's body and her ability to do this. And so I just, um, 
thought I was gonna I thought they were gonna, you know, respect what I wanted. Oh what a and, crazy what a crazy <laughs> notion, right? I know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish someone had told me and you know, interestingly enough, with um there was a foreshadowing that happened just before I went to go and um go for the what is it called when you when you go to the hospital um I think the hospital tour, I believe it was, I walked, I was going out the door and I see the mail come in and my mom had the, the slot and all in the door and I saw the mail and it said something about a freestanding birth center mm. and I looked at it and I was like, huh, that looks really cool and interesting. Mm. And then I, and I, I, I literally paused and then I said, maybe next time. And walked out the door and went to this hospital tour. Wow. And at the end of the tour, I remember looking at the nurse or whoever it was that gave us the tour. And she um, she said, you have any questions? And I was like, no, but I'll see you next week. And sure enough, next week I was back in there and I just knew that, you know, I was going to give birth. And um, thankfully, I was not induced. I was augmented. Um, against my knowledge and consent, of course. Wait, what do you mean? So they they just started Pitocin and didn't tell you? Absolutely. Wow. Yes. So my labor in the hospital, it was horrendous. It was um, in total, I'm surprised they didn't give me a cesarean. This was 1998, though. I don't know. But um, it was like 33 and a half hours. Mm. And um, they would not allow me to get out of that bed at all. Like once I got in the bed, that was it. I was like done. And there, so there was no going to the bathroom to pee or anything like that. And because, oh my God. They, yeah, because they had given me Pitocin, I, um, I didn't even, it was just like, um, I, I don't know if I was in shock or what, but I literally said nothing, did nothing. I didn't, I was just like, I didn't make any noise, nothing. I wow. was just kind of just there and um, just like ebbing and flowing as, as well as I could. you know. And let, let me ask you something real quick, because I think a lot of women experience what you just said, the um, not being able to get out of the bed. And I personally know many hospitals in Los Angeles who have this practice, but I think it's hard for a woman who doesn't have any exposure to it to understand what that even could 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 look like you know because before that experience that sounds insane like nobody's gonna tell me I can't get out of a bed if I need to be and then all of a sudden we know it happened to you and it happens to many women that they come out of their birth saying I wasn't allowed to get out of the bed so can you just speak to that really quickly of how they enforced that hmm so, honestly, I believe because they gave me Pitocin and I had no idea that they were doing that, it was the pain was so debilitating that I just I just laid there. Mm-hmm. I had like literally it was as if they took my voice and all and because it was so hard because as we know con- contractions are made to be harder, stronger and longer with Pitocin on the scene. Mm-hmm. And it was 
absolutely ridiculous. I've never experienced pain like that uh, ever again. And I've given birth four more times. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just really bad. And I didn't even realize that I had not gotten up to pee. I do not remember ever feeling like I had to. And it was just that all of a sudden the next day, the nurse came in and said, oh, she kept calling me this baby. She said, oh, y'all, the baby, this baby is, you know, this, this baby is that. And, um, and I'm like, who is she talking to, you know? And so she comes in and she says, oh my gosh, this baby hasn't gone to the bathroom. And so she catheterized me and they said, I filled up like several containers. Oh, I bet. And that is when actually the, um, labor progressed too. And uh, and it was just absolutely insane. And then, um, they kept asking me if I wanted, um, to go ahead and get an epidural because I was in so much pain and I just looked at them and I'm just like, no, no. And I couldn't even like, I just couldn't do anything. There was no screaming. There was no moaning. No, paralyzing. It, yes, it was very much so. So at and what at what point did you realize you were on Pitocin? I didn't. I had no idea. And, and in fact, I did not know until I think after I had my second child. What? That's when, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that. <laughs> wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So... Okay, so, but how did you find out? Looking at um, records and all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I had no idea. I just knew that it was just, like, the worst thing ever. But I also instinctively knew that it wasn't because of my body. Like, my body did not betray me that day. Mm -hmm. It was all that they did. I knew that somehow even though I literally knew nothing about birth and um it was such that oh my gosh my doctor was the worst as well it was um I never had I I think he was just like an on-call doctor and so it was this African guy he comes in and he's just really rough and I remember so my daughter um (laughs) this was when it got well, it's not fun, but um, so <laughs> I'm trying to, they're telling me it's time to push because I didn't even feel the sensation to push. I've never felt it. And so they're like, okay, you're complete now. You need to push. And so I'm thinking, okay, let me sit up and just instinctively. Sure. And so I try to sit up and they push me back down and they're, you know, coaching and they're like, okay, come on, push. And somebody's counting to 10 and, um, so I'm trying to sit up. They push me back down and I'm trying to push all the, all the while. And then somebody's counting to 10 and everybody's screaming, push, push, push. And you and don't, you don't have an epidural? No, no. Crazy. It's, no, I never got one. So the, um, so you just, I'm, you just laid in bed on Pitocin. Yep. Girl. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I was trying to sit up. They kept pushing me back down and I'm trying to push. And they're counting to 10. And I did take Lamaze. And I remembered in Lamaze, it's funny the things that stick out to you. Mm-hmm. In Lamaze, they told me that it's not safe to push past 
the count of 10 because then the baby would lose oxygen and you know all that and so I had that in my mind for whatever reason that came to mind and so I'm like okay don't push past 10 and it got to a point where my daughter's head because they kept pushing me back down her head was playing Mm peekaboo and so that was happening and I kept trying to sit up they pushed me back and then they're like okay we're gonna have to go past 10 and I wouldn't go past 10 for a while. And they're like, you're going to have to go past 10. And, all. and so eventually I was like, okay, forget it. I'm going to go past 10. So I go past 10. Oh, no, she needs oxygen. Oh, so they gosh. put the oxygen mask on. And then the doctor decides that enough is enough. I'm going to just go ahead and give me the vacuum extractor. Mm. And so he puts that on the baby's head and yanks her out of me. And in the process, of course, he rips me a new one. Mm-hmm. And... Then when he went to numb me, he says, I'm going to give you a needle now and to numb the area so that I can stitch you up because you've torn pretty badly. And I'm like, okay, I haven't felt the effects of that um, needle yet. Mm. I never, in fact, I remember (laughs) fussing with him. Um, I said, I'm still feeling this. Mm -hmm. And he would start, like, he would start to stitch. And then he would say, oh, okay, well, let me try again. I don't know how many times he stuck me. I, I swear it had to have been at least 10 times, oh if not God. way more. And again, the, I never got numb. And after a while, after, you know, maybe that 10th time or whatever, I said, you know what? Forget it. Just do it. Mm. And I felt every single stitch. And it was such that when they gave me the baby... They hand me my daughter, and I'm just looking at her like, eh, all right. Totally. I, I handed her away. And um, it was just, I don't know, it was ridiculous. And the doctor did not even do a good job stitching me mm. up because weeks later, I remember <laughs> I'm back home with my baby, and I'm at my mom's house because um, I was in college in Florida, went home to D.C. to have the baby, and then went back to college um, once school started back up. And so this is a matter of like three months. You know, I had the yeah, I had the baby in May and then went back to school in August. And so I um remember telling my mom, like, Mom, come into the bathroom because something smells funny and then I grabbed the mirror and I was like, Look at this and she's like, No, nah, I've seen enough of your butt. I don't wanna see any more <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, I think something is weird and something mm-hmm. is wrong. He left skin hanging out of me, Emily. Ew. It was just just a quality, a quality doctor. Yes. And so I had to go back to my doctor and um, Mm. they did some kind of, uh, I forget what it's called. I want to say liquid nitrogen. I don't know. They did some kind of thing where it was a shot and they burned it all. Mm -hmm. And and of course, you know, that was fun. And so... Brutal, um, man. Was, yeah, that was my first experience, and so, there was no help with breastfeeding, nothing. It was ridiculous. Oh, first of all, I'm really sorry you had that experience. That Thanks. is, it's as horrific and violent as that is, it is also one of the most common birth stories yes. I hear. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like that, vi- I mean, this blows my mind literally every day how violent how how sorry i should say how normal violent birth has become yeah yeah <sighs> well one positive thing out of that i mean there's many obviously to come but that you somehow could know instinctively that this was this wasn't birth 
that this was right. stuff happening to you. You know, I think that's not, not every woman walks away with that kind of understanding that, you know, wasn't broken in you, thankfully. Right, right. So how did you feel afterwards? Were you angry? Like, what was your processing experience afterwards? Honestly, I don't think I really had time to process the birth so much um, in that beginning part of my daughter's life because I was focused on trying to get breastfeeding down pat. Mm-hmm. I, um, in the hospital, they did not help me. The lactation consultant came, but she didn't help me. She literally grabbed my breast, stuffed it in the baby's mouth, said yep. nothing. And I had um, inverted nipples. And so I knew nothing about any of that mm-hmm. and how to help with that. But um, I was determined that I was going to breastfeed my daughter. And so we, I don't know how I did that today when I look back because I had cracked and bleeding nipples and all, but we eventually got it. And my daughter breastfed until she self-weaned at about about 18 months or so. But um, Awesome. Yeah, it was just like such an insane experience. But I just knew that after that experience, I um, honestly, I don't believe I started to heal from that until somewhere around around um after I had my third birth Mm. around that time you know so what was the timeline between your first baby and your second they're five years apart okay so that you had a minute yeah yeah so was your second birth a free birth so no that one was I've had like all the births. So <laughs> <laughs> so the second one was at a freestanding birth center because again, um by then I had graduated college, my husband and I, and my husband was just starting his work as an air traffic controller and we had moved back to my home in DC. And um we we were with my mom at the time, yes, when I had my second daughter because I wanted to have a home birth. I was determined that I was not going back to the hospital ever again, unless there was an emergency. Mm -hmm. And um, by then I had done a little bit of research and I knew, you know, about midwives and all. And so I remember telling my mom and my husband um, that I wanted to be there, wanted them to be there when the midwife came for an interview for the home birth. And my mom was like, in whose home? And I said, in our home. And she's like, I don't want the mess associated with birth in my home. Mm. And I said, um, I'm the one giving birth to this baby. You're not going to dictate to me, you know, how I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, because my mom freaked out and my husband, he read off of, you know, what she was going through and he started to freak out. The compromise was a freestanding birth center. Mm-hmm. And, and Thankfully, the birth center was like seven minutes away and all. So it was pretty perfect. And that was my introductory into the world of midwifery. Mm. And um, it was, frankly, absolutely amazing. And um, that experience was just, that was a turning point for me. And um, I ended up having my baby on the, (laughs) it was funny because so I, on the 4th of July, I went into labor around 2.40 or so in the morning. And um, I remember 
sitting in my mom's house um, near her, like in between her room and the, the bathroom. And I was just doing whatever I needed to do, going to the bathroom. I got in the tub at some point. And I'm just going through the motions, doing whatever I need to do. And my mom, at some point, she looks at me because she stayed up. And she said, I think you need to call the midwife. And I was like, why? The labor isn't even hard yet. And she said, Treese, your your contractions are like two minutes apart. And I was like, You're like, but this doesn't feel like the last yeah, part. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. I'm like, no, but it's, it doesn't hurt. It's, you know, I'm fine. It's, right, because so at this fine. point, you still have no idea that that torturous labor was from Pitocin. Exactly. That exactly. is a head so trip. I, I was looking for that pain. I was expecting totally. that kind of pain. And I could have totally had my free birth. And, you know, I'll just say real quick, like that is one of the huge reasons why I'm doing this podcast, because my prayer, my deep, deep, deep prayer is that women can find normal birth without having a first violent birth. And without having, you know, hopefully that if one woman can hear your story and say, uh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Exactly. Learn from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. Totally. And of course they're, it's, you know, and I hesitate to even say they're mistakes because you didn't know, you know, you had no idea. Um, really, you know, it's, it's. It's just very sad. And, of course, such beautiful triumph and victory came from, you know, moving past that first experience. But it just breaks my heart how many women have to learn that way, you know. And and hopefully by hearing your story and all these other women sharing their stories, we can bypass that first step of of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the birth, oh, my gosh. I don't know that her birth this is my second daughter, it holds, like, it was so dear to me because for the most part, it was very much a free kind of birth because of, um, there was nobody telling me what to do or anything. And I didn't even realize I was in active labor at all. And when I called, I called the midwife and she said, okay, um, call me when, um, no, she said, okay, meet me at the birth center, I think. And so, this was at this point it was about um no i got to the birth center at 5 a.m and i remember i didn't even bother to wake my husband up for the labor any part (laughs) of the labor and or my my um daughter because my husband through my first labor he slept Mm -hmm. and i remember he woke up at times when we were in the hospital and he would come over to me he's like breathe breathe and i'm like get away from me don't talk to me i'm obviously breathing right right and so I was like, you're useless. I don't need you. So I didn't even bother to wake anybody up to tell them I was in labor or anything. My mom had just stayed up anyway. And um, so she knew. But when it was time to go to the birth center, I go and I woke up my husband and my daughter and I'm like, and my cousin was there. And I said, come on, it's time to go. And they're all like, what? And also we got to the birth center at 5 a.m. And I um, ended up having the baby at 5.18. Oh, my gosh. And 9.45 a.m., we were back home. Wow. And July 4th, ready to celebrate, and people came over, and we had fireworks. It was it was great. Aww. And the birth, though, was just, it was, I was struck by how simple and how just drastically different it was because 
most of the time from me stepping inside the place at 5 a.m. I only know that because I looked at the clock. Mm -hmm. But um, at 5 a.m. when I got there, my mom jokes and says that most of the time was spent from me trying to get to the back room where I was give birth because I could feel the baby's head coming out. And she says I was like walking like a monkey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's and that's the thing with a second with a second birth, a second vaginal birth is like, okay, not always, but very, very, very typically they go so fast that to put them in a car and have them have to transport anywhere, hospital, center is so, it's so um, counterproductive. It is, it is. And I remember scaring my husband too, because I mean, you talk about precipitous labor, my goodness, My, my husband, I'm telling him on the ride there, it was only seven minutes, but I said, this baby's head is coming out. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he was just freaking out. But it was just, it was wonderful because we, usually they had two midwives, but only one made it because I was so quick. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful because by the time I made it to the room, my mom says that I snatched off my underwear as if it was Velcro <laughs> and I, I laid on the bed. And all I remember was the midwife. Well, two things I remember. Um, I remember laying on the bed and I was on my side because that just felt best. And I remember having a really strong contraction. And at at that moment, somehow my, um, my mom said that they were trying to hold my five-year-old back. And I don't know what that was about. But um, they, because uh, I had already prepped her. She had been to every mm-hmm. like, appointment, all that. But she um, broke free of them and got on the bed with me and she leaned over my head and we were like looking at each other eye Aww. to eye. And she, touched, she touched my head. The moment she touched my head, Emily, I was in the height of a contraction, but all of the pain was gone. Aww. And it was just like the pressure of, you know, yeah. that contraction. And I was like, oh my God, how do I maximize on this? But right <laughs> after that, <laughs> the midwife just looked at me and she said, whenever you're ready. And then I pushed my baby out. And that Beautiful. Was it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Wow. Was, you must have been over the moon compared to that yeah. first birth. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Beautiful. So then what happens next? I mean, you, you kind of already have the obvious, uh, like, what's it called? Like stepping stones put down to, yeah. to move, you know, is, is your third, the first free birth? Nope. <laughs> so only the fourth, the fourth and the fifth. And the fifth, fifth right. Yes. So the third, so the, the midwife who helped me with my second daughter, she looked at me as, as I was about to leave the um, birth center she hugged me and she said, next time, have your babies at home. Mm. And I said, I will. And so, um, you were like, I just got to get out of my mom's house. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you so, go outside. Yeah. And so we did move shortly after that. We moved to New Jersey and in our own home and all, obviously. And at that point I got pregnant and I said, okay, this is my home birth. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. This is my house. And this is what's going to happen. And my husband did try me one time. And interestingly enough, I knew nothing about free birth at that time. I don't know where this came from. But he, um, it was something that I found a midwife. And I'm talking to her. And she's trying to help me to figure out 
what insurance will help cover the birth. And my husband said to me, um, if you don't find an insurance plan that will cover this birth, you're going to go to the hospital. And I looked at him and I said, if I don't find an insurance um, plan to cover this birth, you better read up on unassisted birth. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? <laughs> you know? Well, wait, so was was he present at your first birth? Yes, all of them. Yes. I mean, how yes. could he have ever thought and, you're going and, back there? Come on. Exactly, exactly. And the, the interesting thing, though, today he and my mom are the biggest cheerleaders for freedom. Like, I mean, my husband tells every woman that he knows that is pregnant, (laughs) he's like, okay, here's the game with the hospital thing. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. I mean, he's talking to people about circumcision. Before you go and decide to do that, look at this video. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's showing them, like, Penn and Teller's show and just all this information and all. And so... Well, and I love love that, you know, you, you having that response of, you know, if we don't find an insurance plan, then, then I'm doing this on my own. You know, it's like, you didn't even, you didn't need to hear about free birth. I mean, free birth, you know, the, the ultimately is the most natural, obvious, you know, for, for forever, for millennia, for as long as the hundreds of thousands of generations that we have, you know, the baby's coming, no matter where you are, you're going exactly. to give birth. Right. And, and yeah, I, I love that it's, you know, we just really overcomplicate things in our head and it's really just so yep. simple. Yeah, yeah. So with this one, the whole time, so I'm with this midwife and I liked her well enough, but the very first interview that I had with her, I said to her, my second daughter was born in the call because no one tampered with anything at all. Will you try to break my water if it doesn't break on its own? And she said, no. And um, so that was something that like just stuck with me and all. And fast forward to um, my labor, she gives me a... Uh, what was it? Castor oil. Mm. She um, did the, uh, she manually opened me some. The stripping? Yep. She, um, yeah, see, I'm so in the practice of not saying any um, technical terms anymore because the people around me are like, what? But sure. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, she stripped my membranes. She gave me castor oil and vodka. And, were um, you were you like at forty two weeks or something? Why why the no, rush? No, I've never. I've only only one. My first free birth was forty weeks exactly to the day, and all. But um, yeah, no one else. All of my girls were everybody's born earlier, and all thirty like thirty nine weeks or, or just before thirty nine. That is so annoying. So yeah, yep. So yep. there's not even a even a somewhat reason for it not that there is ever a reason for it nope not at all okay and so so she did those things and did not explain anything to me at all now i like to back up a little bit i had a little bit of an education at this point um like a tiny bit because after my birth at the birth center before we moved away 
my uh, midwives came to me one day and asked me to become a doula with their program that they were starting up. And I'm like, well, what is that? And so I ended up doing, I did one birth with them and it was in the hospital and I had to hold a woman as she got an epidural. And I was mm. like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so, um, but that stuck in my head and all. And then, um, so with my birth, it ended up, okay but she did break my water and very recently in fact my husband described to me um what they use what she used to break my water and all which was you know what they use and so i'm like oh my gosh and um she just it was like i felt totally violated and all and um again and it was at that point that i'm like like you know and that was a water birth and um, in my living room, and thank—I mean, thank God—you know, nothing happened as far as me having to be transferred or anything like mm-hmm. that with the, the castor oil and the vodka. And I was very tired and um, miserable and all, but it—it um, it worked out in the end. But after that, I—I um, I ended up writing a book about my three birth experiences up to that point, and then. I went gung-ho into the doula world and mm. all. And um, and then I studied midwifery with um, Ancient Art Midwifery Institute. Mm-hmm. And um, and then after that, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. There's, like, I don't want anybody at my birth. And my husband, again, wanted to... Well, he did freak out a little bit. And he's <laughs> like, well, can we just have a midwife, like, in the driveway? And I'm like, no, you know, I don't need her, you know. And so did um, he eventually get down with it or or was he always nervous until it happened? I think he was just nervous until it happened, because, yeah, frankly, he it was such that he was supposed to No, I told him, I said, you know, you'll have an opportunity to catch your baby. And he was like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. And he's, you know, freaking out and all. And But I, you know, talked to him throughout my whole pregnancy and because I did everything myself. I didn't go to anybody at all for the last two pregnancies. In fact, I didn't even take a pregnancy test. I just woke up, knew I was pregnant, and was. Yeah, you'll find out sooner or later. I mean, I I guess maybe if you're somebody who, you know, drinks alcohol and smokes cigarettes or something like that, who who wasn't consciously, you know, trying to get pregnant, then a test might make sense. But I agree. I, I was hoping this is my first pregnancy and I was hoping that I wasn't going to take one. And yeah. I was so surprised because I'm doing an unassisted pregnancy and birth, you yeah. know, and, and I was so surprised by what a head trip it was. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you, you had already been pregnant multiple times. And so there, you had some reference point probably for what it felt like, which yeah. I did not. And I wanted so bad to not take a test. And I felt like I was going a little crazy. And I think it's true. I think I did know that I was, but I was a little... I think I was afraid to think I was if I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? I really yeah. wanted to be. And so then I took one and I felt so bad doing it. And, and I was actually, my, <laughs> my husband, you know, knows me very well. And he was like, 
Emily, just relax. Just you're going to do an unassisted pregnancy. You don't need to go this hardcore. Like just take yeah. a stupid test. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I was like, but I'm using the technocratic model. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm, I'm looking outside myself to validate my life. And he was oh like, God, Oh my God, chill great. out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was actually for me, it wound up being I put the test, you know, it was obviously a positive and I put it on my kitchen counter and for about a week or two, I walked by it 20 to 30 times a day and yeah. just to be like, am I still pregnant? And kept yes, looking yes. at it. But I do hope in the future, now that I feel a deeper relationship to it, that I will also yeah. have the, <laughs> have the, yeah. the same boat. It will, it will happen. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. The, in fact, with, with my fifth son, I, I now I'm remembering that I did take a test and it was negative. Oh, wow. And um, I did not take another test once I realized that actually that negative test was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I only took that test to, to prove that I was not pregnant because I had had five consecutive um, miscarriages over a nine-month time span. Whoa. And, yeah, we were not trying to get pregnant. We were just kind of whatevering, you know. Mm-hmm. And Wait, um, were those, that was between which babies? Which number babies? Uh, the Between the fourth and the fifth. This was just... So I had my son Mar- in March. My last miscarriage was the June prior to that. Wow. I mean, no, no, sorry, not June. I got pregnant with him in June. It was April 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of your miscarriages happened between the four and five? Right. No, yeah. five of them happened between four and five. One happened before the third. Uh, definitely one happened before um, the fourth. Mm-hmm. And then five happened in between. Wow. So... Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll get to that. We'll keep going in order. So we have we have the third, and now you know we're not doing people anymore. I got this. Yes. Yes. So then you get pregnant with your fourth, and, did, and you didn't see anybody for your prenatal care? Nope. No one at all, except my chiropractor, actually. Nice. I went to my chiropractor every single week, and then, you know, several times a week has needed – and um, that was it, because my chiropractor is another one that's, that's, like, into, you know, the whole home birth and all that. And um, so... So did you, that, tell, did you tell your community your intentions to birth without a provider? Yeah. How did, how did that go, <laughs> dare I ask? People were like, oh, that's so dangerous. Oh, are you mm-hmm. sure you want to do this? Something might happen. What if, what if an emergency happens? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, there's this place called the hospital, and I know where it is. Yeah, there's these and three, I, there's these three yeah. numbers called 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's, it's insane. But it was an opportunity to help educate so many people. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't even tell people that I was pregnant that wouldn't have known because they didn't see me at all until... I was probably around six or seven months by the time I went on and it was like out publicly that mm-hmm. I was pregnant and all because I just didn't want to hear anybody's nonsense and sure. all. But of course, you know, that was still enough time to hear it. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it was, and so tell me about your first free birth. It 
it was, it was nice. I thought I was going to have another water birth. Well, no, I didn't actually. I wanted to labor in the water. That's what I wanted because with my second daughter, I wanted to be able to get into the, they had a really nice um, tub at the birthing center and I wanted to get in it, but I just didn't make it. I didn't have time. And so I said, you know what? I want to experience labor in the birthing pool mm-hmm. because with my third, she was born in the water, but I literally got in the water just in time to have her. Mm. And so I didn't experience it. And so with this one, I was like, I'm going to experience this. It's going to be great and all. And so I just um, labored and it was the, the whole labor was less than four hours. And no, no, it wasn't. My my third daughter was less than four hours. My son was actually around six and a half hours. And so I was like, what is up with this? But mm-hmm. I was in water. You know, that mm-hmm. I was in the water way too long. And, all. and so I was in the water. And then eventually I realized I needed to use the bathroom. And once I got out of the tub and went to the bathroom, I... Um, my husband tried to help me to get back in the pool, but I said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And um, I laid on the couch for a while and I remember them laughing at me because I had my legs up way up in the air. I'm very flexible. And <laughs> I had my leg up and I was like, you know what? Can you just take this off for me? And he was like, wait, take what off? I'm like the leg, just take it off. <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, go ahead. Cause I can feel the baby about to come. Just take that off. And he was like, you're not like a Barbie doll where I could just like take your leg off and put you're it like, back. can a girl just fantasize? Like, yeah. I'm like, and so I remember I said, you know what? I want to go to my bed. I'm going upstairs. So I start walking up the stairs and I remember pausing um, through a contraction on this staircase. And I remember feeling the just, Oh my gosh. It was like, I was high. And I remember saying, is this what being high feels like? Because I had never gotten high before. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) And I'm just standing on the stairs, like, in this euphoric mode. Mm. And And then I went on upstairs. And I remember, I'm not one one to um, curse, right? And so we go upstairs. Now, all throughout my labor, it's just me, my husband, our children, and I have had two friends here and um, one on a video camera and one on a regular camera. (laughs) And um, when we went upstairs throughout the labor, I'm telling my husband to do certain things, like get in certain positions to support me. Mm -hmm. And he would say, Oh, my back. Oh, my back. (laughs) And so suck it up, buddy. (laughs) We got upstairs to the bed and I said, you know what? I want you to just like lay in this certain position and I'm going to lean on you. And he was like, my back. And I said, I don't give a fuck about your back. (laughs) (laughs) He was just like, and everybody just cracked up laughing, including him. He gets so tickled if I curse. Oh, I bet. I don't. And so he's like, oh my gosh. And so. Mama means business. Exactly. And so it was so cool because with this one, I I ended up having him um, do like a bit of a hip press for me. And I was on not all fours because my daughter, my oldest daughter was in front of me leaning. I mean, laying. No, she's on her knees and I'm like in front of her on my knees 
And then I just kind of stuck my butt out and I'm like leaning on her. She's supporting me from the front. She was initially going to catch the baby because my husband was too chicken. (laughs) And then um, in the moment, though, because my husband was in that position Mm -hmm. and my daughter was in the position that she was in, he just stepped up to the challenge. It was no longer a fear. You know, he was just like, oh, it it just became natural to him. Were all your other children around? Yes. Yes, everybody was there, and um, they uh, they were all nodding off at times, except my oldest. She was very much present in the whole thing. But um, once the baby started to um, baby's head started to crown, I said nothing to them, and all, and because um, I'm just like, ah, they'll see, and all. And so, because I had my butt up in the air anyway, and so I said, um, I'm, no, I'm just like laying there, or like kind of. Not hands and knees, but my butt is up in the air. And my um, friend, she's like, oh, because she sees the baby's head. Mm -hmm. And so girls all, everybody's just all around and my husband's there. And I was determined to not push because I had learned that Mm -hmm. you don't have to push. And so that was amazing because I was so accustomed to after giving birth, feeling like, Every time I would go to the bathroom, mm. everything is going to fall out of me, including my heart and all. Yeah. That, um, that wasn't present after this birth or my last birth and all because I did not push. I just wow. allowed my body and baby to do the work of, you know, birth. And it was amazing. And my son came out very slowly. And um, interestingly enough, I still like it was it was fine. It was totally fine. I moaned my way through it and. You know, and and all, and I remember um, feeling my husband. Once the head came out, my husband says, "Okay, so do I just pull?" And I was like, "Don't touch! Don't touch!" And all, <laughs> and my friends are like, "No, no, no, pull!" And all, and so my son is like inching out, and then we had had three girls, mind you. So this was like a big deal that this was now a boy, and I knew it was a boy, and all. You could and, just feel um, it. Yeah, I just knew. Yeah, and um. So once my son was almost all the way out, my husband was supporting his head. And I was like, you're touching, don't touch. And uh, he was like, no, no, I'm I'm just holding his head or whatever. And then um, my husband started, I mean, my son started to do what we call like the dolphin thing. Mm -hmm. He started wiggling his little self. And I was like, no, don't touch. And he was like, that's not me. That's the baby. And I was like, oh, I guess I can't do anything about that. Like, you know? And so he came on out and my husband caught him and it was, it was wonderful. And we, my husband is such a fool. He says that, um, I starred him with the placenta. He says that I got up on the bed, like some like raving, raving lunatic. And I, like, with one hand on the cord, screamed, ah, and just pulled it out. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Even and if you did, back off. <laughs> right, right. He's just nuts. I, that didn't even happen, though. But it was one, one cool thing that happened with that birth. By then, I was encapsulating placentas, doing doula work and all that. And so my um, daughter had encapsulated my, well, she was going to encapsulate it for me, but I told her, to make me a smoothie with it. And I was like, don't tell me if you don't wash off the blood or if you wash off, don't tell me and mm-hmm. just do it. And I'm going to try this and I'm going to be gangster about this totally. because 
I felt like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this because I'm a pescatarian. I only eat fish. I don't know about all this meat and all this stuff. Um, fish is, I, and fish is way grosser than placenta. I know, right? I know. <laughs> and so she brings up the placenta smoothie to me, and the, and when she brings it up to me, she's like, "Here you go." My husband intercepts. My husband is greedy, so he always takes my food. And so oh no! Yes. And he took it, and he's like, "Oh, this is good." This Wait, is did he, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on? Did he, <laughs> did he know that it was placenta? Not yet. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what that's what he gets. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so he's like, "Oh, this is so good." And so I just looked at him, that and he should have known something was up because <laughs> I didn't fight him to try to like give me my placenta. I mean, my smoothie. I didn't do any of that. And I'm just watching him. I said, so is it good? And he's like, yeah, it's really good. And I said, do you know what the secret ingredient is in that? And he's like, it tastes like, and he's like, you know, naming all these foods. And I'm like, yeah, but the secret ingredient. And and I hollered downstairs and I said, Jayla, tell your dad what the secret ingredient in this smoothie is. And she was like, placenta. And he was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I was like, yes, it is. And And then he was like, what? You guys have me eating placenta? And my friend You're like, no, you actually took it. Exactly, exactly. And my girlfriend, she was like, shut up. You just said it was good and all. That is hysterical. I've never heard of that. I mean, I've seen dads willingly try it because they were curious, but not not that. That is very funny. And you know what's weird? Every single placenta that I have encapsulated, if he is home and he smells it steaming, He's like, oh my God, that smells so good. I want to eat somebody's. No. Okay, for anybody who who hasn't smelled steamed placenta, it is disgusting. It is not, I mean, I'm not a meat eater either, so maybe that has something to do with it, but it is like smoothies don't smell at all. Raw placenta doesn't smell, but a steamed placenta placenta that yes. is cooling on the counter yep. it, it is yeah. not it is not good i've actually yeah. i've had to um when i used to do it i would open up all my windows in my kitchen because of how gross the smell was yeah. and yeah. i had to stop doing that because the neighborhood cats would come around the house and they would jump oh. up on the ledge and just salivate oh my goodness <laughs> yes and that's what was happening with him and i would Ew. tell him listen when i have a baby you can have some. Totally. But then he's like, oh, no, that's gross. I'm oh, like, oh, my God. Very inconsistent. But, <laughs> yes, ridiculous. But meanwhile, my oldest and my youngest girls, both of those two, they both had placenta, both t- the two births that I had mm-hmm. and all. They both had some. Nice. And they loved it. In fact, my youngest girl, um, after this last birth, she comes up to me and she's like, Mommy. Can I have some of the steamed placenta? <laughs> yeah, you can have some. And then she comes back. Can I have another piece? And I say, yeah, go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Is she just eating it, like, as she is? Says, she says she put salt on it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. She put her sea salt on there. And, yep. It's like it. a, it's kind of like a liver. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it, yeah. Like what yeah. it looks like. I've never tried it um, cooked, Maybe. although I, I did have... At uh, a birth one time, I had been with this woman for a couple of her births, and uh, she had really cool midwives, and 
she, she was just like a down chick. She was super cool. And she, the midwife prepared the raw placenta still warm out of her body. Like it must've been 20 minutes postpartum or so. Yeah. She prepared it as carpaccio. So oh. it was like raw slivers with soy sauce and garlic and onions. Oh, wow. And then actually the mom kind of passed it around and gave everyone a piece. Yeah. And I figured, ah, why not? You, you know, you only live once. And yeah, I, yeah. I took a piece and I haven't eaten any sort of meat since I was 15 or something. And I got really high from it. Really? I, yeah, just one piece. And I don't know, wow. maybe it was, I mean, I'm sure I was high from the birth because it was an amazing yeah, birth yeah. and high from even the idea of doing it because um, yeah. it's kind of weird, you know, and somebody, yeah, it's yeah. like somebody else's, which is yeah. totally weird. But I remember driving home feeling like I was on drugs. I felt so, my whole body felt like it was vibrating. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? My, I have a friend who, because my daughter ended up encapsulating my placenta both times. And um, a friend of mine, she had me make her, or my daughter, make her a tincture uh -huh. with it. And um, so she has it. Like, to this day, she has it. And she was I thought she was joking during my pregnancy. She was like, you're growing such a wonderful placenta for us. <laughs> for our community. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but she was very that is funny. And, like yeah. a community little shop. Yep. <laughs> okay, yep. so that was your fourth. Yep. Amazing, yep. amazing family experience all around. Yes. Yeah. And your husband drank your placenta smoothie. That's amazing. Yes. And your first, <laughs> your first son. Yep. She's so special. Yep. And so then you have, at some point, a year of of many losses. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. It was really just insane, the the experience that I had. And it was, at the same time, I have to say it was, it was kind of, hmm, I want to say wonderful, actually, in that I, for the first time in my life, did not feel like I was alone. And I felt very much loved and protected and nurtured. And um, it was beautiful. It was just like astounding and all Nurtured to... by your family and community or? Yes. Okay. Like, uh-huh. And just, yeah. And I had, um, I don't know. It was just, I felt so like encapsulated and all. And um, at the same time, there were people who were concerned sure. too because they felt that I um, should go to the hospital. I should go get checked out and see what was wrong because surely this isn't good or normal, you know, and all, but I really, so, okay. So I, I do like, um, like I'm like prophetic and all, and I hear from God and all that. And I felt very strongly that I was not to, um, to go to like any specialists or anything like that. And actually I spent some of that time like angry <laughs> and fussing and mm -hmm. all with God about yeah. the whole thing, because I'm like, why do you keep letting this happen and everything? And then I remember one day um, changing out my son's drawer, like the seasons had changed and all. And so I'm changing out his drawer and I hear, 
you will have a son. You will have another son. And I was like, stop saying that. I don't want to hear that right yeah. now. Because I had lost maybe my fourth child in a row at that time. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that right now. And then eventually I said, um, I said, all right, you said, like, this is days later. I said, you, you said that I was going to have a son. What's his name? You name him. And then um, I didn't hear anything. Then a few days later, all of a sudden, I had the name Jonathan. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that name before because my husband, everybody is J's in here except me. And I was like, oh, let me look up Jonathan and see what it means. Girl, that name means Yahweh has given. I was like, oh. And I just cried. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And so I um, wrote the name down and all that. And then I went on to have another loss mm-hmm. the, uh, on April the 15th. And I remember I because I recently saw in my journal on the 21st, I wrote, why would God give me the name Jonathan if there's no Jonathan mm-hmm. coming? And um, the that June, I had just attended a birth of my girlfriend. And then I, I was angry because I felt like I was about to get pregnant. And I was like, I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to, you know, you know, I just don't want to deal with this. And so it was such that I was just like visibly shaken and all. And I, um, oh no. Okay. I know what it was. Cause I'm like remembering everything. Sure. <laughs> so it was like, a it was a Thursday, the Tuesday before that two days before I heard, you know, you're pregnant again. And I was like, I don't hear you. And, and then, and I just kept on going about my day. And then that Thursday, as we were leaving out to go to um, a rehearsal or something, I said, you know what? I could just take a test. I forgot about tests. I could take a test <laughs> and know definitively, you know, whatever, and keep it moving. And then as I was going to the store to get the test, I was like starting to really freak out. And my daughters were all like, mommy, what is wrong? And and I was like trying to fake like everything was okay. At first I was like, nothing. And then they go with me to the store and I'm trying to hide that I'm getting a pregnancy test. And they're mm. like, what are you doing? What are you getting this for? And I was like, oh, I just want to take a test because I feel like, you know, God said that I was pregnant again and um, I want to take a test and prove them wrong and just keep it moving. And so I ended up um on the way to the uh, where we were going i told all my girls i said listen i'm really upset right now and like i'm upset to the point where i can't even pray for myself so you guys need to pray for me start right now as we're driving and so each of them took turns praying for me and by the time the last one finished praying i was like i don't know i felt this like emboldening in my spirit where i was just like you know what I am going to have a baby. I am to have another son and I'm not going to be fearful my entire pregnancy. I will not be robbed of having a wonderful experience. And this fear, fear, you got to go Mm -hmm. right now. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to fear this whole thing. And so when I got to where we was going, I went in the bathroom and my youngest went in there with me, my youngest girl and um and obviously my son too and i took the pregnancy test and it said negative and i was like yes i'm not (laughs) pregnant i'm not pregnant my daughter oh my gosh she would have been i guess nine 
She said, I can't believe you. I don't I don't understand. She said, first of all, I don't know why you're taking this test and you are pregnant. And, all. and she was like, I can't believe you would be so excited because we're going to have another baby. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, Jasmine. I'm sorry. It's okay. She was you like, know? I need my brother, Jonathan. Oh my, she was <laughs> mad. She was so mad at me. Oh and my so gosh. I threw the test away and I was just like, yes, I'm not pregnant. I don't have to think about this for another month. Yay. And Tuesday morning, it was like July 4th, my middle girl's birthday. And I remember waking, I shot up out the bed and I said, oh no, I'm pregnant. I am pregnant. And I never took a pregnancy test again to confirm it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just was. You just knew. Yeah. Yep. And did you, did you have any sort of intuition that that pregnancy would stay? Did it feel different or was it the same, you know, kind of understandable, like worry in the beginning? Yeah. You know what? With this one, I really think I kicked that fear's butt because I did not, because all of the other pregnancies, I would know that I was pregnant. And some of those, I took tests for those too. And um, so, you know, I would show my husband the pregnancy test and all because, you know, sometimes I would take it because I said to him, I feel like I'm pregnant. Do you need to see a test? And he would say, yeah, just go ahead and take a test. And I would show him the test and it was positive. And then I would go on to lose the baby. But mm. all those all those pregnancies, Emily, I would go to the bathroom expecting to see blood. Every single time I would go to the bathroom, I would wipe and I would look at the tissue, inspecting. And like, I'm, I was totally expecting to lose every one of them. And mm. so I got, I expected, you know, yeah. I was like, totally feeding into you know that fear yeah and uh, and it was just it was awful you know and so interestingly enough this last one with Jonathan I never looked for blood I never had any kind of fear whatsoever and it was fine everything was fine well I love you taking charge of taking charge of yourself, you know, that fear, fear is just so consuming. And it's so when you're in a state of fear, it almost can seem logical, you know, like this self self protective, um, you know, thing that, that when you can break out of it and say, no, I'm not going to let this drown me, you know, I'm going to turn to my faith or my trust or, you know, what will be, will be. And, and, to, to live every day or every pregnancy or to wipe every time you go to the bathroom expecting mm-hmm. for something terrible to happen is is just no way to bring our babies in. Right, right. It's yeah. complete for, I mean, it's completely understandable. It's, yeah, of course, but, but what a, you know, yeah, it just what a, a cool example of you making this choice to say, no, I'm not going to let yeah. fear run this. And then your baby stayed. Right. And because just like you said, this fear, it wasn't a protective fear. It wasn't like I was in danger of a bear coming to maul me in a moment. You know, it wasn't productive at all. So at at some point I was like, well, listen, yeah, no, if if this is going to happen, I'm certainly not going to like just go through a whole entire pregnancy begrudgingly and afraid and just, you know, that's stupid, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like, no. Yeah. Gosh, it's such a big distinction. I mean, you know, some people live their whole lives that way of just yes. every yes. day is 
worry. And, and you know, yeah. I think it's a huge distinction that gets made in the birth world. You know, a hospital, I think, is a really good place for you to birth if you are completely overcome by fear. And if, yes. you, if you are so worried about every little thing, you know, that's okay. Some people are there. And I think yeah. that's a... That's a though I might argue falsely reassuring, but, but, but it is to some degree a good place if every little thing is going to worry you, because those are people who would benefit from just giving their agency over and letting, letting things just happen. Yeah. And, and I think it gets painted in the free, in the free birth world that people who free birth are fearless. And I always try to point out that's not the case. It's just that fear isn't dictating the decision. Yes, yes. And actually, I I have told many people, actually, the fear for me is the system. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of paying for this. Because seriously, my daughter right now, she's 19 now, the crown of her head is very sensitive. Mm. Like She does not allow anybody to do her hair as far as going to salons and all. She does not. Because it's still like... I, that's what I did not want. I didn't want to pay, you know, for that one day. You know, I mean, hello, she's 19. That's mm-hmm. stupid. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it definitely affects us our whole life. Yeah. Okay, and so. Whole, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, just so bring me to Jonathan. You got to tell me. Yeah, so, oh, my gosh. His, and this was only his, this was only six months ago. Yes. Yes, his labor, his labor was fun. It was um, probably, let me see, I went into labor maybe about one something, and I had him around four thirty-ish in the morning. You just sneezed. Yeah, yeah, and he was. It was. It was so fun, and because um, I was, I was heading into active. Well, I was in active labor. And I chose to sit on my bed and watch a um, video that was funny to me. It was like a spoof of uh, um, some guy singing a song that the guys really could sing, but it was the spoof was that they had somebody do a voiceover and they totally sounded awful. And it was just hilarious and all to me. So I'm in labor, laying on the bed, and I'm laughing. And, of course, you know, the the mechanics of laughing is, you know, doing mm-hmm. something and all. And I'm like, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. And I'm trying to like, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like laughing and trying to tell my body, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And all, and it was just like, and then that made it more hilarious. So I'm just like having a ball and everybody's laughing at me as I'm laughing and trying to deal with the contraction that I'm having at that moment and all. And eventually everybody went to sleep. <laughs> except me of course and then um I ended up getting into the birth pool and it was funny because I'm I'm sitting there in the birth pool and I was like oh man I've never pooped before in labor but I think I'm about to now <laughs> and so they're like it's okay no my, my oldest is like it's okay it's okay and so but it, it wasn't poop you know you know how that is mm-hmm. you think and, and you don't but so I um, I love your little doula daughters. I know, right? Yeah, and it's oh my gosh, what's so fun is they taught me how to listen with the um fetoscope <laughs> because I could not for the life of me with my first son, I couldn't hear him. Mm. And with my 
I, my daughter, I couldn't hear her either. But my oldest and my middle girl, they could hear. And my oldest learned how to palpate when she was nine. Oh, my all. gosh. It was just amazing. Like she, she's the one who told me that my third daughter was head down. She's like, oh, the baby has turned now. And I'm like, what? Oh, and my she, the, gosh. When I went to the midwife, the midwife checked. And she's like, yeah, the baby's head down. I mean, actually, but, that's a really good point that this is not rocket science. Like, yes, it's, exactly. It's pretty simple stuff at the end yes. of the day. Yes. And when people ask me, I love when people ask, so who cut the umbilical cord? And I'm like, oh, the baby. And they're like, what? What do you mean? And I'm like, the last, like, says my oldest cut her sister's umbilical cord. That sister cut her sister's. That sister cut her brother's. The brother cut his brother. And, you know, and that's how we do and so, so awesome yeah and what a it, what a gift of renormalizing your family into yes, birth after yes. the rest of your family as you said at the top of the show was you know you were a, a surgical birth and and it's not necessarily the norm at all to talk about birth or be acquainted with it or have normal birth experience and here your family is completely changing and taking it back yeah, and my girls, I learned, I did, I ended up doing a vlog, um, I want to say 20-something weeks, tw maybe 25, 26 weeks in my, my pregnancy until the birth and all, and I interviewed um, my girls um, during three separate um, videos, and each of them, I was so surprised, each of them, um, well, I don't know why I was surprised, but each of them said they were, they were not... Um, even considering going anywhere to have their babies and all they they said that um they they all say now that they want me there but i'm like you may not in mm -hmm. that moment and if you don't that's fine and all but um yeah they're not going anywhere near hospital yeah because they're like no. raising me raising them right <laughs> yeah yeah but it was it was so funny because so i'm in the pool and i could feel that my son was coming and I reached down to touch and I've never done anything like that before. But at this time, I just, it just, I was like, let me, I want to see if I can feel his head. And so I feel, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can feel his head. I'm thinking this. I'm like, oh, I can feel his head. And I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. That's a nose. These are lips. What the heck? He's coming out face first. Oh wow. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm bracing myself because I'm like, oh, this is going to hurt. I've never felt the ring of fire before mm -hmm. until this kid comes out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, because we all have, like, big heads and all. And <laughs> this baby does not have a big head, but he had to come out face first to make up for it. Wow. So he comes out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I felt everything. and But it was just still so... I don't know, like, I'm just smiling. And like, <laughs> it was so powerful and so just wonderful and everyday but extraordinary, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, oh, my gosh. It was just, it was amazing. And after he came out, and in fact, we were, we thought that I might be having twins. I'm remembering now. I don't know how I could have forgotten that. We thought that I might have been having twins. <laughs> you forgot because it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, and so I remember after he came out face first, and, and he came out swimming. I have to show you the videos. I'll oh, yeah. But um, he came out, like, and he's, like, doing his arms, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, because he was still partway in. And I'm like, 
stop. Like, you know? And so um, when he came out, my daughter is filling my belly for the next baby. And I'm like, uh-uh. Nope, there is no other baby. And she's like, Mommy, it's going to be okay. You can do this. And everybody's like, you can do this, Trees. You can do it. And I'm like, no, if there's another baby, we're going to have to come back tomorrow. I cannot do this now. <laughs> I'm like fussing. <laughs> but thankfully, it wasn't another one. And all but you, the... you knew that it probably that it wasn't really. No. I Seriously, this time, so, so many things happened where... I would feel it was weird. I would, I don't know how my son was. It was like he was an octopus or something because I'm serious because it was just the way he was positioned was weird. And like so many of us could have sworn we felt two heads, two butts, backs, everything. It was just weird. And uh, and listening to his heartbeat, I finally got to hear a heartbeat. And um, I would, we would all like you would hear like like the 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 and then it would be and I'm like what like it went into double time and so yeah birth is amazing that's all I can say yeah right yeah is the great mystery yes yes but then only one placenta came out and yes nothing else ever came out oh my gosh and the placenta you're you're like you're like six months later i'm still waiting for that second i know right oh my gosh yeah yeah sorry what what about the placenta the placenta was beautiful it was i had done the um brewers um dr brewers pregnancy and all diet Uh and oh my word it was it was wonderful like the this placenta was so healthy in fact it was almost two pounds wow you know yeah yeah beautiful yeah. and the baby was seven pounds four ounces so it wasn't even like he was like you know huge a 10 pounder or anything mm-hmm. yep just a w- yep. wiggler yeah yeah <laughs> yeah how special yeah wow wonderful and so now, are you in the birth world? Like, are you still attending births, or? So I like to say no, but then someone all the time will come along and make a liar out of that. So yeah. I'll just go ahead and say yes. <laughs> and, Unofficially. And, yeah, and the fact is, I do do um, like consultations mm-hmm. and all with many people all the time. Um, and the reason I like to say no, honestly, is because I just felt so scarred and yeah. all because the, um, oh my gosh, the system, even, even out of hospital births have been absolutely ridiculous, like yeah. insane and all. And like, I felt like I was in the twilight zone mm-hmm. at so many births, no matter where they were. And just so many awful experiences. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And my husband, I remember he him saying after I came home from one birth, he was like, I think you need to go and see somebody. Yeah. You need help and all. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm coming away just. Traumatized. Yeah. And, it, and the thing is, I'm very good at being careful when I'm at the birth. So I'm not going to show that I'm horrified of or you know, anything like that because you don't want to bring your stuff you know that's not the place you know for that and it's I know um, but even that like upon reflection because I stopped attending births about a year ago and uh-huh. upon reflection I've actually been having some ethical 
dilemmas in, internally about how much I've hid how horrified I was. Because really, maybe I should have been horrified externally. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we all know how it goes. At that point, it's like, you just got to help that woman get through it. And it's just survival. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's yeah. not going to be productive to freak yeah. out. And you got to save right. that, you know, for the car when you get home. And But, but I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've seen... I have been, I I have experienced so much secondary trauma and, and in taking a year away from it, I feel like I've gotten to digest it on a whole nother level that, you know, when you're going to five to 10 births a month, right? you can't digest it in the way that it needs. And, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, but I basically got to a point where I was like, what am I doing? I cannot accept money to then go in and basically enable a system in yes. participating, especially under this illusion that I'm somehow going to help right. increase her agency and minimize abuse. And I don't. I, I'm, yes. It's me yeah. against a system. I'm not exactly. able to stop that. Exactly. So I, I stopped. I knew before I got pregnant that I needed to stop attending abusive births, which like you just said, it extends beyond the hospital. I I first started to stop hospitals and then I just kept seeing abuse with regulated midwives. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that either. So where does that leave me? And that's how I came into free birth is I was like, well, shit, what else do I have? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What other way is there? Okay. I guess I could help women do this on their own. And then it led me into this whole amazing community. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I got to help one woman and I was her doula and she ended up well, we called it a bootleg free birth because I was there. But um, <laughs> her uh, her midwife ended up dropping her mid oh, uh, labor. For what so, reason? <laughs> oh my gosh, girl. Um, in the so it was a home planned home birth that the midwife turned into a hospital birth, mm-hmm. and she it was really crazy how she got her to go to the hospital in labor, mm-hmm. and then um, she. The woman left the hospital, um, AMA, and um, she did not follow her. You know, she told her, you know, I'm done. This was a licensed midwife? Yes, of course. I mean, that's the thing, right? They they have to protect themselves. And when you... I mean, it's why I wish more people understood how dangerous licensed midwifery is. Yes, because you're serving that licensure. Mm -hmm. You're You're not serving women and babies. You can't. And maybe it would be one thing if the licensing allowed for more autonomy of practice, yeah. like how an OB has. You know, an OB right. has a tremendous amount of autonomy in his mm-hmm. or her practice. You know, he he the state trusts a doctor to make their own decisions of safety and what they're comfortable with, and that is not the case for midwives. That's cool. You know, mm-hmm. it, it will. And it's part of the downside to that is it's part of the reason why the the breach and VBAC bans can can be allowed to happen, because I... if if the state says ultimately we trust doctors more than moms, which we know is true, and I... we trust doctors to make calls on safety. And if they are uncomfortable with X, Y, Z, 
let's say a VBAC is a great example. Right. The reason they're uncomfortable with it is cultural. It's not evidence-based. It's not, yeah. it's not that vaginal birth after cesarean is actually dangerous as we know. It's, yeah. it's that culturally, you know, there's no freaking incentive for yeah. them not to have a, a second, you know, a subsequent C-section. And so the state actually says, I, we, we trust a doctor to make that call of safety, even though what we realize is those calls of safety are not based in evidence, they're based in culture, which is, right. it's just so amazing because the, the witch hunt of midwifery and the, the false sense of progress that regulated midwifery has made has limited women's choices to a whole nother level. And, and you know, we're not talking about it enough. Yes. People are oblivious. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is that, frankly, not very many people want to take responsibility. No, of course not. What would that, what would that look like? Yeah. Well, and, yeah. you know, to be fair, like, it's hard to be willing to take responsibility for something that you have been brainwashed against your entire yeah. life. Yeah. You know, it's easy for us because we have we have done the work to get out of that brainwashing. Right. And right. so we see the light, you know, we know right. the truth. But for the majority of people who are very much still under the propaganda, you know, that obstetrics and gynecology has has successfully, you know, put into our you know, the 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 threads of our culture, the the weaving, yeah. you know, of our culture that of course, no one wants to take responsibility for something that has been trained into them is inherently dangerous right. and could be right. death at any moment and yeah. that they're afraid of. Yeah. Which, of course, again, is super hypocritical because we get into cars with our families every day. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was trying to I was talking about safety the other day with with a person who was kind of challenging the notion that birth is safe. And I was like, look, when you eat. 99.9% of the time, you're going to be able to swallow your food. And maybe once in your life, you're going to choke or the guy next yeah. to you is going to choke, but you do not, you do not approach your meal, you know, worried right. about how you're going to digest it. Or if you're going to choke, right. you don't approach your bowel movement like that. Yeah, yeah. Someone somewhere is having rectal bleeding and needs to go to the hospital, right. you know, right. somewhere, somewhere, someone is choking on their food or whatever, but that is not the norm for us. And if we, exactly. you know, no one's claiming even, I mean, the whole conversation of safety is a joke anyway, because nothing's it safe. Is. And it is exactly. It's just insane the way they com compartmentalize this area like this. And it's just, oh, it's so frustrating. And it's, it's so sad to see women walk themselves right into this system, just as I did, mm -hmm. unknowingly, you know? It's so it's sad. And it's hard, so you know, it's hard to talk about because everyone's so, you know, sensitive about yes. their own experience. And so yes. many narratives, you know, exist of the doctor saved me and ultrasound oh, yes, saved me, course. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah. so it's very hard to have these kind of, you know, national conversations of saying, hey, question this because it comes off so self-righteous and yeah. for somebody who has birth trauma or is indebted to the system, you know, and, and really mm -hmm. adamantly, you know, the women who are like, I loved my epidural. I didn't feel yes. a thing. Yeah. And I loved my scheduled C-section, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. the, 
it's just so hard to have these conversations across yeah. the board. You know, it's easy to be in our echo chamber because you know all the same stuff I know. Right. Right. You know, but whatever. All we can do is keep preaching the truth and That's right. and anyone That's who's right. ready to hear it is gonna tune in. Yeah, exactly. And our hearts are in a good place, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing to me. Like one of my girls, I don't know remember which one or how old she was, but years ago she was like, Why is it that they say don't do drugs, don't do drugs and then when you go into labor, do drugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they say don't even have soft cheeses in pregnancy. <laughs> I mean, like the level of ridiculous, know. you know, they, they know. don't don't have all this stuff <laughs> and then the first thing they offer you is morphine. Yes. Yeah. But I, I can I mean, I just keep falling back on and what motivates me to keep doing this work and keep having a voice is that Women just don't know. They just haven't, you know, nobody knows that they offer you morphine until you go into the hospital and labor. And it's so disorienting. And like you said at the beginning of the show, you know, you didn't even have time to be angry. You were trying to figure out how to breastfeed. Right. You know, it's it's so it's such a vulnerable population to have moms go home, you know, mistreated and not having great births and most of them don't even know that it can be any better because nobody's yeah. told them that and then they have to figure out how to breastfeed against all odds because yeah. their hormonal blueprint has just been completely screwed up you know it's just survival mode and, and the idea of like filing a lawsuit against a doctor is so unrealistic especially for people who aren't super rich Right. You know, right. I mean, yeah, if I just like had a lawyer on retainer, maybe. Right. But right. who has that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's yep. just wild. But we got to keep just talking about it and living That's our message. Right. And people are drawn to it who are ready to hear it. That's true. So many people are. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was super it was fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a wild ride you've been on. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I got I'd love to see the the birth videos. Yeah, I'm going to send those to okay, you. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right, and thank you. Have a great day. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us and remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.